Part two, chapter six of Bessie's Fortune by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Six, seven years later. Seven years, and from a lovely child of eight years old, Bessie McPherson had grown to a wonderfully beautiful girl of fifteen, whose face, once seen, could never be forgotten. It was so sweet and pure and refined, and yet so sad in its expression at times, as if she carried some burden heavier than the care of her father, who was fast sinking into a state of confirmed invalidism, and to whom she devoted all the freshness of her young life, with no thought for herself or her own comfort and there was a shadow on the girl's life a burden of shame and regret for the silly frivolous mother who spent so little time at home but who flitted from place to place on the continent not always in the best of company but managing generally to hang on to some old dowager either english french or german and so cover herself with an appearance of respectability sometimes lord hardy was with her and sometimes he was not for as he grew older and knew her better he began to worry of her a very little just now he was in egypt and before he started he sent her a receipt in full for all her indebtedness to him for borrowed money which he knew she could never pay and daisy had written to her husband that the debt was paid and had given him to understand that a stroke of unparalleled success had enabled her to do it when her mother died two years before and left a few hundreds to her daughter archie had urged the necessity of sending the whole to young hardy but daisy had refused and spent it for herself now however it was paid and he was glad and quite content with his uneventful life even though it was a life of the closest economy and self-denial for himself and bessie when daisy had plenty she divided with the household at stoneleigh and when she had little she kept it for herself and archie and bessie shifted for themselves or rather the latter did and was sometimes almost as hungry as she had been when she ate the dry bread and shrivelled grapes on the fifth floor back of some large hotel bessie understood perfectly her mother's mode of life and knew that though she was not degraded in the worst sense of the word she was an adventuress and a gambler whom good pure women shunned and over whom she mourned as a mother mourns for the child which has gone astray and yet bessie's life was a comparatively happy one for she had her father and she had neil her cousin the handsome and spirited boy from eton and later the dashing student from oxford who came sometimes to stoneleigh and made the place like heaven to the young girl blooming there unseen and unknown to the great world outside and bessie hoped to see him soon for she was going with her father to london where she had never been since she was a child and of which she did not remember much this journey had caused bessie a great deal of anxiety and planning as to how they could afford it but by saving a little here and there and by extra self-denials on her part sufficient money for the journey and for a week in town was raised at last and the trip decided upon bessie would have liked a new dress and hat for herself and a new coat for her father but these were out of the question so she brushed and cleaned her father's three-year-old coat and washed and ironed her two-year-old holland linen freshened up a blue ribbon for her last year's hat mended her gloves put plenty of clean collars and cuffs and handkerchiefs in her bag borrowed dorothy's umbrella and was ready to start on her journey without a thought that she might look a little old-fashioned and countrified in the gay city they found some cheap lodgings in the vicinity of high street kensington and then she sent her card to neil who came at once and tried to be gay and appear as usual but she felt that he was ill at ease and the old haircloth sofa and chairs looked shabbier than ever to her when she saw his critical eyes upon them and felt how out of place he was in that humble room with his fashionable dress and town-bred air of elegance and luxury i say dot why in the name of wonder did you stumble into such a hole as this 
could you find no better lodgings than these in all london he said to her at last yes neil she replied we could find lodgings fit for the queen but then we have not the queen's income and these rooms are so cheap only a pound a week and the kitchen fire included i know they are not pretty but they are very clean and quiet and mrs buncher is so kind bessie tried to speak naturally but there was a tremor in her voice and the tears came to her great blue eyes as she looked up at her cousin neil saw the tears and stooping over her he kissed the quivering lips and stroking the glossy hair said to her never mind bess your face makes everything lovely and this dingy parlour with you in it is pleasanter to me than the finest drawing-room in grosvenor square but you ought not to be here you and your father you should be at trevelyan house as our guests and if i owned it you should but there's a lot of old folks staying there now friends of blanche lord and lady somebody mother is great on the titles you know yes i know bessie said slowly then after a moment she added i should like to see your mother and miss trevelyan i was too young at penryn park to remember much about them do you think they will call neil knew they would not and he could scarcely repress a smile as he fancied the macpherson carriage with his mother and blanche driving up before that shabby house but he said perhaps so though they are always so busy during the season but i'll tell you how you can see them go to the park to-morrow afternoon about five o'clock they are sure to be there in their gorgeous attire and blanche will have her poodle-dog shall you be there bessie asked and neil replied yes possibly while to himself he thought that he should not for how could he ride by with the gay throng and know that bessie was sitting in a hired chair watching for him and most likely making some demonstration which would draw attention to her i may and i may not he continued but it will make no difference you will see blanche with her poodle and her red parasol and you will see the princess if you are there about half-past five or six but for heaven's sake don't rush forward like an idiot as so many do especially americans and people from the country it stamps you at once as a greenhorn no i won't bessie said humbly for something in neil's tone hurt her then as she saw him consulting his watch she said oh neil can't i walk with you just a little way father never goes out after tea and i do so long for some fresh air neil looked at his watch again it was almost six and at seven there was a grand dinner at trevelyan house at which he was expected to be present but bessie's blue eyes and eager face drove everything else from his mind and he was soon walking with her in the lovely kensington gardens and her hand was on his arm and his hand was on hers and in watching her bright face and listening to her quaint remarks he forgot how fast the minutes were going by and the grand dinner at home waited for him a quarter of an hour and then the guests sat down without him and lady jane's face wore a dark stormy look when the son of the house appeared smiling handsome and gracious and apologizing for his tardiness by saying frankly that he was in the garden and forgot the lapse of time you must have been greatly interested you could not have been alone blanche said to him in an undertone no i was not alone he replied with great frankness i was with the prettiest girl in london or out of it either and pray who may she be blanche asked my cousin bessie she arrived yesterday was neil's reply oh and blanche's face flushed with annoyance she remembered the beautiful child at penman park and had heard the name so often since that the mere mention of it was obnoxious to her and she was silent and sulky all through the long dinner which lasted until nine o'clock when it was over and the guests were gone lady jane turned fiercely upon her son and asked what had kept him so late cousin bessie 
he answered she is in the city with her father at number blank abingdon road and i wish you would call upon them they really ought to be staying here our own blood relations as they are staying here not if i know myself is that detestable gambling woman with them lady jane replied with ineffable scorn no neil answered she is never with them and bessie is no more like her than you are she is the purest and sweetest and best girl i ever knew and i do not think it would hurt you or blanche either to pay her some attention and having said so much the young man left the room in time to escape blanche's tears and his mother's anger and reproaches the next day neil was in a penitent frame of mind for however much he might laugh at blanche and her light eyebrows and ridicule his mother's plans for him in that quarter he was not at all indifferent to the ten thousand a year and might perhaps wish to have it consequently he must not drive blanche too far for she had a temper and a will and there was another cousin one degree further removed than himself a good-natured good-looking and highly aristocratic jack trevelyan who was thirty years old and a great favourite in the best society which london afforded and who if a great-uncle and two cousins were to die without heirs would become sir jack and who it was thought had an eye on the ten thousand a year so neil was very gracious and sugared blanche's strawberries for her at breakfast and read to her after breakfast and stayed at home to lunch and never mentioned bessie or hinted that he would much rather be sitting with her on the old haircloth sofa in mrs buncher's parlour than in that elegantly furnished boudoir and when the hour for driving came and his mother complained of a headache and asked him to go with blanche he consented readily but suggested that she leave her poodle at home as one puppy was enough for her he said and so about five o'clock the macpherson carriage drove into the park near apsley house and in it sat miss blanche gorgeous in a light blue silk and white lace hat with large solitaires in her ears her red parasol held airily over her head and her insipid face wreathed in smiles as she talked to her companion the handsome neil whose dark face was such a contrast to her own and who reclined indolently at her side answering her questions mechanically but thinking always of bessie and wondering if she were there in the hired chair and if she would see him or what was more to the purpose if he should see her among the multitude which thronged the park that afternoon bessie was there and had been for more than an hour sitting with her father near one of the entrances from piccadilly and wholly unconscious of the attention she was attracting with her beautiful fresh young face her animated gestures and eager remarks to her father as she watched the passers-by and wondered who was who and wished neil was there to tell her i'd like to see a real duchess and not mistake a barmaid for one she said and then a pleasant-looking man who was standing near and had heard her remarks came up to her and lifting his hat politely said to archie if you will permit me sir i will tell the young lady who the people are i know most of them oh thank you i shall be so glad if you will bessie replied you see father and i are right from wales and it is all quite new to us then you were never here before the stranger asked looking down upon her with an undisguised admiration which yet had nothing impertinent in it yes years ago when i was a mere child and did not care for things now i want to see everybody lords and earls and dukes and deans and prime ministers and everybody do you know them yes most of them by sight the stranger said slowly and taking his stand where he could see her as well as the passers-by he told her this was a lord and this was disraeli and this a grand lady of fashion and this a famous beauty and this a duchess and that prince leopold 
it was a fortunate afternoon bessie had chosen for everybody was one in the early june sunshine and she enjoyed it immensely and set out what she thought that titled ladies and grand dames were very ordinary-looking people after all and that the fat old dowager who rode in a coach and four with powdered footmen behind and a face as red as a beet was coarse as any fishwoman and that old dorothy would have looked better on the satin cushions than this representative of english aristocracy i wonder what you would think of the queen the stranger said but before bessie could reply there was a sudden murmur among the crowd and a buzz of expectancy and then the princess appeared in view riding slowly and bowing graciously to the right and to the left instantly there was a rush to the front and bessie half rose to go too but remembering what neil had said about not making herself an idiot as the americans and country people did she resumed her seat and the country people and the americans stood in her way and all she saw of the princess was her sloping shoulders and long slender neck with the lace scarf tied high about it it was too bad and bessie could scarcely keep back her tears of disappointment and was wishing she had disregarded neil's orders and had been an idiot when a handsome open carriage came in sight drawn by two splendid bays and in it sat blanche trevelyan with her red parasol over her head and beside her neil macpherson eagerly scanning the crowd in quest of the little girl the very thought of whom made his heart beat as blanche had never made it beat in all her life there they come that's he that's neil my cousin bessie exclaimed and forgetting all the proprieties in her excitement she rose so quickly that her hat fell from her head and hung down her back as she went forward three or four steps and waved her handkerchief neil saw her as did blanche and many others and a frown darkened his face at this unlooked-for demonstration still he was struck with the wonderful picture she made with her strikingly beautiful face lit up with excitement and her bright wavy hair gleaming in the sunlight as she stood with uncovered head waving to him the fashionable neil macpherson whom so many knew his first impulse naturally was to lift his hat in token of recognition but something in his meaner nature prompted him to take no notice until blanche said in her most supercilious tone who was that brazen-faced girl your cousin bessie yes my cousin bessie neil replied and turned to make the bow he should have made before but bessie had disappeared and was sitting again by her father adjusting her hat and hating herself for having been so foolish neil was angry i know i saw it in his face and i was an idiot she thought just as the stranger who had watched the proceeding with highly amused expression around the corners of his mouth said to her you know neil macpherson then you called him your cousin Yes bessie answered a little proud of the relationship neil is my cousin or rather the cousin of my father who is mr archibald macpherson from bangor wales she meant to show her companion how respectable she was even if her dress which she was sure he had inspected critically was poor and out of date and she was not prepared for his sudden start as he repeated mr archibald macpherson of bangor then you are the daughter of that he checked himself and added i have met your mother at monte carlo and he drew back a step or two as if he feared that something of the mother's character might have communicated itself to the daughter and bessie saw the movement and the change of expression on his face and her cheeks were scarlet with shame but she lifted her clear blue eyes fearlessly to his and said yes mother is a monomaniac on the subject of play it is a species of insanity i think her voice shook a little and about her mouth there settled the grieved sorry look which touched the stranger at once and coming close to her again he said your mother is a very beautiful woman 
i think she has the loveliest face i ever saw with one exception and he looked straight at the young girl whom he had wounded hoping his implied compliment might atone but if bessie heard or understood him she made no sign and sat with her hands locked tightly together and her eyes looking far away across the sea of heads and the rapidly moving line of carriages this man knew her mother at her worst not sweet loving and kind as she was sometimes at stoneleigh but as a gambler an adventuress a woman of whom men jested and made sport a woman who had probably insured and fleeced him as neil would have expressed it bessie knew all the miserable catalogue of expedients resorted to by her mother to extort money from her victims cards chess bets philopenas loans she never intended to pay and which she accepted as gifts the instant the offer was made and when these failed pitiful tales of scanty means and pressing needs an invalid husband at home and a daughter who must be supported she knew the whole for she had seen a letter to her father written by lady jane who stated the case in plain language and denouncing daisy as a disgrace to the macpherson family asked that archie should exercise his marital authority and keep his wife at home this letter had hurt bessie cruelly and when next her mother came to stoneleigh she had begged of her to give up the life she was leading and stay in her own home and so i'll starve together daisy had answered her do you know child that you would not have enough to eat or wear if it were not for me your father has never earned a shilling in his life and never will it is not in him we are owing everybody and somebody must work if i am that somebody i choose to do it in my own way and i am not the highly demoralized female lady jane thinks me to be her bosom friend old lady oakley plays at monte carlo and so do many high-bred english dames and americans too for that matter i am no worse than scores of women except that i am poor and play from necessity while they do it for pastime i have never been false to your father no man has ever insulted me that way or ever will if he did i would shoot him as i would a dog i cannot help being pretty any more than you i cannot sew myself up in a bag and shall not try to catch the smallpox so do not worry me again with this sickly sentiment about respectability and the duties of a wife i know my own business and can protect my own reputation after this there was nothing more to be said daisy went back to her profession and bessie took up the old life again with an added burden of care and anxiety and with a resolve that she would use for herself personally just as little as possible of the money her mother sent them often and often had she speculated upon and tried to fancy the class of men her mother associated with and whom lady jane called her victims and now here was one beside her speaking and acting like a gentleman and she felt her blood tingle with bitter shame and humiliation had her mother fleeced him she wondered and at last lifting her sad eyes to his face she said do you know my mother well did you ever play with her yes often he replied side by side at rouge et noir and at cards and chess where she is sure to beat she bears a charmed hand i think or she would not be so successful he had lost money by her then and bessie at once found herself thinking that if she only knew how much and who he was she would pay it back pound for pound when she made a fortune in a vague kind of way she entertained a belief that somewhere in the world there was a fortune awaiting her that little girl of fifteen summers who sat there in hyde park in her old washed linen dress and faded ribbons with such a keen sense of pain in her heart for the mother who bore her and pity for herself and her father the latter had paid but little attention to what she was saying to her companion for when he was not engrossed in the passers-by he had been half asleep 
but when he caught the names rouge et noir and cards he roused up and said sir my daughter has never played for money in her life and never will i am sure she will not the stranger rejoined though many highly respectable ladies do then as if he wished to change the subject he turned to bessie and said if neil macpherson is your cousin there ought to be some relationship between you and me for he is my cousin too yours bessie asked in some surprise and he replied yes my father and his mother were cousins i am jack trevelyan you have probably heard him speak of me no bessie replied with a decided shake of her head which told plainly that neither from neil nor anyone else had she ever heard of jack trevelyan who felt a little chagrined that he the man of fashion whose name was so familiar in all the higher circles of london should be wholly unknown to this girl from wales truly she had much to learn but she did not seem at all impressed now or embarrassed either though she looked at him more closely and decided that he resembled neil but was not nearly so good-looking and that he was awfully old you know my cousin blanche of course he said to her next you must have seen her when you visited at neil's father's i saw her at penryn park when i was a child but not since then until this afternoon i was never at trevelyan house bessie said and with the mental decision poor relations who are outside the ring jack trevelyan continued she is not a beauty though a great heiress rumour says neil is engaged to her neil engaged no he isn't he would have told me he tells me everything he is not engaged bessie said quickly while a keen sense of pain thrilled every nerve as she thought what it would be to lose neil as he would be lost if he married the proud blanche he was so much to her something more than a brother something less than a lover for she was too young to think of such an ending to her friendship for him and her heart beat rapidly and her lips quivered as she arose on the instant to go come father i think we have stayed long enough you must be tired she said to her father then turning to jack who was thinking is the child in love with neil what a pity she said to him thank you mr trevelyan for telling me who the people were it was very kind in you i will tell neil i met you good-bye and she gave him her ungloved hand which though small and plump and well formed showed that it was not a stranger to work dish-washing sweeping dusting bed-making and many other more menial things it had done at intervals to save old dorothy the only female domestic at stoneleigh but it was a very pretty hand for all that and jack trevelyan felt a great desire to squeeze it as it lay in his broad palm but he did not for something in bessie's eyes forbade anything like liberty with her and he merely said i was very glad to tell you i wish i could do something more for you while you stay in london perhaps you will let me call upon you with neil he added as he saw a flush in bessie's face she was thinking of the old haircloth furniture and the room which neil designated a hole and which jack trevelyan might wonder at and despise such men as he had nothing in common with mrs buncher's lodgings and she said to him as she withdrew her hand and put on her mended gloves you had better not father and i are out so much that we might not be home and you would have your trouble for nothing good-bye again she took her father's arm and walked away while jack trevelyan stood looking after her and thinking to himself that girl has the loveliest face i ever saw it is so full of sweetness and patience and pathos that you want to take her in your arms and pity her and make much of her as a child who has been hurt and wants soothing she is even prettier than flossie 
by jove if the coronet were mine and the money i'd make that girl my lady as sure as my name is jack lady bessie trevelyan it sounds well and what a sensation she would make in society but what a mother-in-law for a man to be saddled with welsh daisy bah and with thoughts not very complimentary to daisy he left the park and walked rapidly along piccadilly toward grosvenor square and trevelyan house End of chapter 6